This is the Kibasa King Sports Extravaganza. Hey, 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 Yakshamash. Club to you too, or whatever. You know, really, I love your style. I love the way you edit things together. Well, thanks for noticing. It's a real pain. We welcome to the show Christian Leitner. Yeah, I'm proud of my heritage, and my mother used to make a lot of delicious meals, kapusta, bumpy, padoe, all that good stuff. I put sour cream on everything, and um, so <laughs> a, lot of, a, lot of, a lot of Polish tradition there. Yak Shamash, everybody. Welcome to another edition of the Kielbasa King Sports Extravaganza. This is Jay Kokorowski. We got the Polish rifle Scott Wesniewski on the line. Big show today. Thank you guys all for joining us and uh, waiting the extra minute or so as my technology was not working momentarily. So thank you guys for dealing with it. It's uh, And of course, uh, this is the Kielbasa King Sports Extravaganza brought to you by RentonCollegePads.com our great sponsor, and of course, uh, we are a part of Bucky's Fifth Quarter. Make sure you guys check out Bucky's Fifth Quarter for all your Wisconsin Badgers news and notes. And like I said, big show. Obviously, right now, Wisconsin Badgers not doing so hot against Northwestern Wildcats. Uh, it is a uh, not a not a good night for the Wisconsin Badgers. That's what I, that's we'll talk we'll get to that maybe a little bit later. We got a like I said it's a big show. We got a lot of fun. We got coming up in just a couple minutes. West Hodkowitz, Green Bay Press Gazette talk about the Green Bay Packers 35-18 win over the Washington Redskins and preview Saturday's matchup in the desert against the Arizona Cardinals. We'll have uh, we have West right there, and uh, from there uh, a little bit later, 8:35, bottom of the hour, we will have. Uh, Frankie the Thumper the Falco here, um, possibly Matt Winchester, the Beer City Bruiser, as you know him in Ring of Honor, previewing BCW's uh, Rise to Honor, which will be a very good indie wrestling show uh, based in Milwaukee, very close to where Scotty lives. Uh, we'll, we'll break that down, too. And uh, after that, we'll, we'll preview the NXT show, which is uh, their, their WWE's brand, their develop, developmental brand if you will, uh, they will be down in uh, Milwaukee, Turner Hall, Thursday night, and they'll be in Green Bay Friday, and then back in Chicago, they got a, kind of they have a two-shot, uh, double-shot that weekend, and you have the uh, in the Chicago area, they had a second show. So we'll preview that. We have our uh, Bucky's fifth quarter buddy, uh, our recruiting analyst, our uh, football one of our football guys, Andrew Rosman, will pop on, maybe 850-ish, 855-ish, we'll uh, preview some of the, what to expect. Uh, at NXT because obviously we cover the Green Bay Packers and, and the Wisconsin Badgers because we are a Badger-centric show, but this is a big community thing. It's going to be huge. I'm going to stop talking. Scotty, how's your week starting off? Um, stressful and frigid, but you know what? We're almost, what, 40% of the way through it, so I don't know. That's something. Indeed. Indeed. Uh, and so, uh, no, it's, yeah, and let's, let's, yeah, as we wait for Wes to pop on, uh, let's, uh, oh, oh, I thought Wes was here, I'm sorry, I didn't want to take up much of his time, I will tell you this, I was, I was probably one of the more surprised, uh, observers to see how the Packers, not that they won necessarily, but that the offense for the better part of three quarters, at least, looked like 
something that resembled a Green Bay Packer offense that's been led by Mike McCarthy and Aaron Rodgers for the last nearly decade. So that was uh, that was encouraging. But I I think Washington, as good as they were, as good of a season as they had, a little bit different than the Cardinals and and playing them in the desert. Absolutely, <clears throat> and uh, come away with a good solid victory. You know, like the thirty-five eighteen. They they go on and they'll have to like I said they'll have to change their fortunes against uh, of course a very talented Cardinals team that got shellacked their last last game of the season against the Seahawks uh, obviously uh, with the possibility of the number one seed which still going to Carolina uh, and Carolina locked that up but uh, let me before you know we'll, we'll talk with Wes just a little bit uh, in just a little bit uh, what in your opinion. Uh, really stood out to you in that game on Sunday where was it the balance that you saw with the number of passes and throws? Was it just, uh, was it the tempo? Everyone's mentioned the tempo of the game where you saw a little bit more no huddle Aaron Rodgers doing the, you know, getting the defense to go 12 men on the field. Uh, You know, some of that charm that he has that you see on the field, what stood out to you? And I mean, the defense too, how many sacks? I think they had what, six sacks. Uh, what, What did you see? Uh, what did you see out of them? Well, I mean, what stood out, I think all of it when you talk about the offense, the tempo, the fact that Aaron Rodgers started one out of ten and was able to finish with good numbers and uh, make some throws that he wasn't making for the last six to eight weeks, the fact that J.C. Treader, the Packers allowed one sack, and that was with Bakhtiari not playing, one sack. So I think that's the thing that you should take away from it. Uh, maybe it was, excuse me, maybe it was two sacks because may have gotten one late. But the fact that Aaron Rodgers wasn't pressured, that he had time to move in the pocket, that he had time for his receivers to get open, that stood out. The defense, you know what? We've talked about it from the beginning. His defense has been better than this. They're not an elite defense, but when they put pressure on the opposing quarterbacks, good things happen. And I think it was just a total package. I think really. To me, the play that changed the game, even though the Redskins scored one more time after and actually went up 11 to nothing, was when Deshaun Jackson didn't get into the end zone and the Packers were able to have a goal line stand, keep Washington out of the end zone, hold them to three points. That built some confidence in the defense, even when they got down 11 nothing. And then after that, they went on a on a on a run, a 34 to 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 seven run there to end the game. But I think that was a huge turning point because if, if that touchdown counts, they're down right away, not nothing, very, very early in the game. And, and then maybe you start to see the, the heads hang and the shoulders slump. But I think that, that defensive stand really helped and it, it kind of sparked some things. And in the end, they played, like I said at the top of the show, better than I expected. They did lose a player, Devontae Adams, likely to not play. Uh Saturday against Arizona. We'll see. We'll find a little bit more later in the week. But it's a good win. It makes you believe that they have a chance. I still think the Cardinals win the game. We'll talk more about that in the projections and predictions segment. But at least I believe now that if the Packers play their kind of football, they're going to be in the game. And if you're in the game, you've always got a chance. Yep. And uh, before we, maybe we even like Wes will be on in the next couple of minutes. 
uh, going back and forth with him. Just looking, though, uh, before we talk about that, uh, Sam Farmer, L.A. Times, uh, tweeted out about a half hour ago, Rams, yes, San Diego, maybe. That's in regards to Los Angeles, and it looks like the Rams that are leaving St. Louis and uh, are headed to L.A. again, and San Diego is a maybe on that. So, what about, uh, well, what about Oakland? What, did they give us any word on Oakland? I'm looking. I'm not seeing. Let me take a look a little bit farther as I dig through the Twitterverse. Uh, it is, yeah. As I said, it's. Uh, let's see. The vote started about 33 minutes ago. It was done. 30 yes, two no. Uh, Rams yes. San Diego maybe. Uh, let me just take a look at what they're saying. Uh, the Rams move. This is just about two minutes ago from Sam Farmer of the LA Times. Rams move. Chargers 100 million dollars in option to move to LA. Raiders, $100 million plus option to move to L.A. if Chargers don't. So it sounds like the Oakland Raiders are kind of the third man, the third person, third wheel. And the, uh, yeah, this doesn't work out for this group. Uh, yeah, we'll take you on. So, uh, yeah, they the do have the option here's, here's to join them Yeah, here's the weird thing. First of all, I understand the economics of it. I know why they want teams in L.A. because of the market size. However, teams failed there with the same market size 20 years ago. I get it. It's a different time. I don't think you reward a city with three teams, though. So if it's going to be two, it's going to be two. The one that, that, to me, I think stinks the most is San Diego. I'd really like to see San Diego stay in San Diego. Oakland, they've been transient before. The Rams, heck, the Rams started in Cleveland at one point. Then they went to L.A., then to St. Louis. I'm fine with that. San Diego, I don't know, just to me, I know they played one year in L.A. in the old AFL, but San Diego Chargers have been there since 1961, and that one's a little bit harder for me to wrap my head around. I mean, I remember a time when the Rams and the Raiders were in L.A. I don't remember San Diego without a football team. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot to dissect with that, too. It's Plus, I'm, I'm sorry, plus, I think it's weird to have two teams in the same division. I know New York has the Giants and the Jets. They're in different conferences. Two teams in the same division sharing a home stadium. It's just, I, it's just something weird about it. I don't know. Yeah. Well, I mean, like I said, it, you're looking at right now, the, it, it's the St. Louis Rams will move to Los Angeles. So St. Louis Rams are going, and then the Chargers have that option to join the Rams. This is from uh, Ray Farmer, or Sam, not Ray Farmer, Sam Farmer. Sam Farmer, L.A. Times. Their home will ultimately be on the site. Um, this is verbatim for his, from his post on, on latimes.com. Their home will ultimately be on the site of the old Hollywood Park racetrack in Inglewood in what will be the league's biggest stadium, a low-slung glass-roof football palace. They projected opening in 2019 and a price tag that could approach $3 billion. Mm. So... Yeah, so it's a, uh, I mean... So in the meantime, would they play at the Coliseum? I mean, because they're not going to go back and finish the string in their respective cities. That, I can't see the Rams going back to St. Louis next year and trying to play for two seasons when you know they're moving. So I had, I, I'm assuming the Coliseum would be where they would play. Yeah, I mean, that or Rose Bowl maybe? Uh, yeah, uh, I don't Who knows? Um, but I mean, on top of that, um, I guess more will be there, but like I said, with, with what Sam Farmer had put down, uh, I mean, it looks like, I mean, it's one of those if-then 
if the Chargers don't go to San Diego or don't go from San Diego to Englewood, the Raiders are 100 million plus the option to move to LA if the Chargers don't. So it's kind of you'll have the St. Louis Rams become the LA Rams, so they'll be in the you know the NFC uh, West, and then you'll have the in the AFC West you'll have the LA Chargers. So uh, former Wisconsin running back Melvin Gordon should have himself. Uh, he'll be uh, in Hollywood. He'll be in Englewood area, and yeah, kind of a kind of another historic moment. We'll see. You now you have two teams in LA, and 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 where's the next one do you go to? You know, like who's who's the next city in line possibly that could get a a stadium? Well, that's, yeah, that's, that's, get an NFL team, I should say. That's a good question. First of all, I really was still holding out hope that it would be Oakland and St. Louis moving back, and then somebody who's been in a coma since 1993 can wake up and feel like nothing's changed. Um, as far <laughs> as uh, as far as who's next, I mean, maybe London. I mean, we've heard that. It sounds like a logistical nightmare. It really yeah. does sound like a ridiculous, ridiculous premise. But we've heard that bandied about. Otherwise, other cities, I mean, San Antonio did a good job supporting the Saints uh, for one year that they were there when, you know, after Katrina. Uh, boy. Cause, I mean, but let's think about who's who's apt to leave. Um, if you look at teams that are that are likely to leave, Jacksonville has been at the forefront of teams that could potentially relocate, and they would be a perfect fit for for a city like London, since they've been played more international games there since the new ownership group took over. Hello? Oh, Scotty, there, bro. Yep, yep, there you go. Yeah. Sorry about that. But, uh, yeah, I, know. But, yeah. I don't know how much you caught of that, but I was saying that if there's a team that's destined to, to relocate, it might be Jacksonville. Otherwise, I don't know what other teams would be petitioning to leave. I think I don't think anybody would be petitioning to leave if it wasn't for L.A. and the lure of the big bucks and the, the, the TV market. You know what I mean? Right, right. I, and that's, I mean, you know, is it London, Mexico City? Is it... Uh, do they go does international? Get another chance. Does, does San Diego maybe figure it out and, and, and build a stadium and wait for another team? I mean, because they certainly were loyal fans for a long time. I, I don't think you can completely say after 50-plus years that they wouldn't deserve another shot someday. Right, right. No, and that, and that, we'll see how that rolls in. And uh, from there, by the way, just a quick notice. Badgers lose 70-65. Ugly loss to the Northwestern Wildcats. Greg Gard now. Uh, you're looking at the fact that his squad has lost three straight Big Ten games. Probably should ju- probably should be 4-1 and one based based off of some of their games that they've uh, that uh, in conference. But uh, ugly loss down in Evanston. Uh, we'll break that down a little later. Uh, but joining us right now, we got the Green Bay Press Gazette, Wes Hodkowitz, PackerNews.com. Follow him on Twitter at Wes Hod and Wes. You kind of talk. You got us talking. Uh, caught us basically in the midst of talking about the relocation. I don't know if you have a chance to see it, but uh, like Sam Farmer, LA Times was talking. Uh, sounds like it's a done deal uh, with uh, the Rams going to LA, moving to Inglewood, and the Chargers maybe they have a option there. Uh, seeing two football franchises uh, getting up and leaving their respective uh, hometowns. Yeah, it's uh, it's sad. It really is, especially from St. Louis's perspective. And I understand 
as I think Scott even alluded to there, um, the argument of, well, I mean, they were in L.A. to begin with and obviously made the move over to St. Louis. Um, the, the problem I have with it, though, is unlike all these relocations in the past, there's no definite possibility that St. Louis will ever get a football team back again. I mean, they're not going to be expanding the way they were when Houston got a team and Cleveland got a team. It's probably going to take a Jacksonville or somebody else relocating to to do that, unless they suddenly want to expand the league. But I I think this 32 format, the divisional format, works way too well. So that's probably the part of it that's the scariest is that St. Louis does lose the Rams, but there's also a big question on if there will ever be NFL football there again. Yeah, and and Wes, I – I think that you're right. Jacksonville may be the only team that you you would consider looking to move, and and I hope I hope it doesn't happen. But I mean, if they move, they'd be probably the best candidate for London. I mean, if they have ever yeah. did ridiculously expand to London, which I think is a logistical nightmare. But it you is know, an absolute of, logistical nightmare. But I bet the NFL would love to see it happen. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think they want that oh. bad. Yeah. Okay, before we break down the game and then talk about the game coming up, I, I have to say this is going to tweak Jake and, and most of the uh, uh, Bucky's fifth quarter listers, but I think it was great of Jared Abaderis to hurt uh, Devontae Adams just so he could get on the field there, huh? Hey, hey, I'm back. <laughs> hey. Oh, sorry, I didn't know Ooh. you missed me. Hey, I'm back. Yeah, yeah, I grabbed the Pepsi. Now I'm back. That hurts. That's the dagger right there. <laughs> Hey, that's that's for the walk-on book. It's uh, it's all about the it's all about the narrative right there. Um, yeah. But uh, but which, there you go. But, I guess, but, any, but, no, go but anyway, sorry, Wes. But, but I guess my point was, uh, other than the Devonte Adams injury, this was about as perfect of a game and a scenario that they could have hoped for. They they won a game where the offense rebounded and, and looked at least like a Green Bay Packer, Mike McCarthy, Aaron Rodgers led offense. The defense uh, took bend, bent but didn't break, put pressure on Kirk Cousins. And if Devontae Adams doesn't get hurt, I think you you take this win and you go, wow, that's about as perfect as it could have been. Yeah, uh, realistically, and for a, you know for a little while there, I know when we talked to Devontae Adams in the locker room after the game, he he said he was felt fine, and and you know the doctors had, had cleared him and said it wasn't a significant injury. Uh, and that really looked like it was going to be everything the Packers could have dreamed it to be in terms of a road trip to, to Washington and the productivity they got out of it. Now, in the grand scheme of things, uh, the sprained MCL that, that it appears that he's going to be dealing with, uh, is it going to be enough to keep him out on against Arizona? It appears that way, but it's still not a significant knee injury. I mean, he should be back at some point. I don't think there's anything that's going to ruin his offseason program, even if he doesn't play in another game this year. But from the circumstance that he just showed so much in that game that that hadn't been there in the previous weeks, the sideline catch, you know, contested, the the route he ran to to beat that uh, that cover three look for the touchdown, he, he just he was he looked more like the Devontae Adams I think everybody was expecting going into the season. I mean, he had four catches for 42 yards, basically in two quarters, um, and who knows what would have happened if he'd been in there for that entire game. So. It is a good opportunity for Jared Aberderis. Uh Probably maybe the biggest opportunity he's had so far of his career if he doesn't play. They are going to need him extensively. And I'm curious to see exactly, you know, how he how he rises up to that occasion because still to me he seems more like a slot guy, but with him and Randall Cobb, somebody's going to have to play outside against the Cardinals if, 
if Adams isn't there, and that'll probably be one of the bigger question marks about how they, you know, approach that position. We're here with Wes Hobkowitz, Green Bay Press Gazette, PackerNews.com, and ho- co-host of the Pete Doherty Show on Periscope a couple hours before every game. <laughs> Dude, I, I tune in. I love that stuff, man. Like, you guys do a great job. To, you know, it's, it, it, I, I really enjoy that show. Um, we I, need to get you guys a theme yeah, song. Yeah, I appreciate that. Yeah, no, well, we definitely need that. We also need a selfie stick. Basically, we need any type of prop we can get our hands on uh, to, to you know, bring up the value of the production. But uh, I will say this. Pete Doherty very rarely likes doing anything, you know, whether it's live shows or, you know, all that stuff is, I think, you know, with him being uh, an older guard, he's not really into it. He legitimately enjoys doing those periscopes. I think he gets a big kick out of it, and obviously it helps um, to, to be able to interact with people, too, and figure out what their their big topics are. But, yeah, I appreciate you uh, tuning in, but I, I see your name pop up there uh, in, the, in the just join the chat, and I always know it's going to be a good one. <laughs> I don't hey, know. Wes, would... before, before Jake asks the question, I do want to just share with you the fact that uh, Pete Doherty was the first reporter to ever scold me when I was on the Packer beat, so – uh, he'll always oh, have a really? Yeah, it wasn't he wasn't mean or malicious about it, but I was new to the Packer locker room. I had done some Brewers stuff before that, and it was training camp, and he was waiting on a feature. He was going to interview someone on a feature, and I didn't realize it, and I had just gotten out of the pools and, you know, interviewing different players. So I tried to get in on who, on who he was interviewing, not knowing that he was doing a feature story. Um, sure. So I learned quickly how how that that whole pecking order worked, but I was it was my first day, you know. I might as well get it out of the way first, right? That's those are that's what happens. But yeah, when people have their one on ones, especially those veterans, uh, you don't uh, you don't you don't put your recorder in. <laughs> right. But it only took it only took the one time to learn that. So you know, I'm a quick oh, study. No, every I I have my moment in that too, man. No no question. I think we all do. <laughs> oh yeah. No, absolutely. Uh, you know, and, and you know what? By the way, Wes, we need to get you the a, uh, if we if I can, like get you a selfie stick and do the uh, Tyler Breeze since we are talking some NXT in a little bit. Uh, we you should get what? you like a Tyler if, Breeze one. If I've had no reason to buy a selfie stick because I haven't, I've gone an entire season of just holding the camera myself. Uh, that should have been reason number one, two, and three, so that when I'm not <laughs> doing the Periscope, I can just walk around my house acting like I'm Tyler Breeze. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's what I should have gotten it for. <laughs> that's awesome. That is awesome. Uh, and you know, uh, go ahead, Scotty. You, you know, th- th- you talk about Tyler Breeze. Uh, speaking of a breeze, uh, J.C. Treader made playing tackle look like a breeze on Sunday, huh? That's a heck of a transition. Uh, Holy yes, segue, Batman! He did. Holy segue. Um, you know, I I thought that game was going to be – I thought it was going to be a long day for the entire offense uh, early on. It, it looked like Treader might be overmatched. Uh, obviously, the safety bottoming out there in that first quarter, 11 total yards. And then something amazing happened uh, after those first, you know, two or three series. You stopped realizing that J.C. Treader was on the field. Um, you stopped realizing that the Packers have an issue in their protections. Um from the second quarter on, they were getting the ball out quicker. The tempo improved and the production uh, improved. And not only that, in the in the third quarter and in, in the second half, they were able to get the running game going. So that was as good of a performance as the Packers' offensive line has had in, in allowing Aaron Rodgers those opportunities. 
Oh man, I, and I would say a significant amount of time. I wish you could, I could give you a game off the top of my head, but that they played exceptionally well. And J.C. Treader is is probably one of the reasons why, at least today, uh, David Bakhtiari's you know knee or I should say his ankle injury wasn't uh, foremost on everybody's mind. He actually held up really well. And I'm not saying that that's the ideal situation. They want to get Bakhtiari back. They're hoping he'll be back for this Saturday night. But if he isn't. I'm sure the Packers have to feel a lot better about their situation and their stance and how they, you know, kind of stand right now at left tackle if uh, Bakhtiari isn't on the field with how Treader performs. And, Wes, you know, kind of back to Aberdeer, since we're talking a little bit more about the offense. Uh, it, when it comes to, and you mentioned if he's going to be on the outside or on the inside, kind of replace, you know, whether he's a slot or if he's more towards the outside, like replacing Adams. And, and you had a, a great article or talking about it, uh, this was it this morning uh, or to, oh no, the twelfth. That's today. That's tonight. Uh, just about an hour ago. Sure. Yep. No, you're right. Yeah. Where it comes to like you know, you mentioned he's got nine catches for 111 yards. You know, he had tw- a season high 28 snaps uh, on Sunday, and he caught two passes for 14 yards. Uh, but also that two point conversion where you could see that play opening up just the way that the Redskins were lined up. Uh, how right. Uh, where do you think Aberderis can uh, help the Packers, and what does he still need to do to continue to evolve to become more of a target, to be more of a threat in this Packers offense? Well, he certainly has Aaron Rodgers' respect and in, in his comfort. Um, Aaron Rodgers trusts him, and Aaron Rodgers has trusted him for a long time. I mean, even you go back to before he tore his ACL in that first week of training camp, uh, Rodgers is already singing his praises. He has a lot of confidence in Jared and you also look at this, this from the standpoint and how that that team is sort of structured right now um there isn't a guy really that that can step in and, and even fill a Devontae Adams role I mean I guess Jeff Janis would be him but you know at the same time you know Janis that just it just hasn't worked out so far it just seems like when he is in the game it has to be a, a specially designed you know offensive play you know designed to him being in the game where I think what's nice with Averdaris is you can plug and play him at so different, so many different spots. I'm not saying, you know, he's a prototypical outside receiver. I think Jared Averdares' best position is the slot, and I think the Packers would tell you the same thing. But he has shown that he can hold his own out there and, and, and get open, and that's probably the number one reason why I think Rodgers has that confidence in him is he knows he's going to run a good route, and he knows he's going to be able to get separation. Now, the things that Aberderis has to work on is, is been really the drops in these last, you know, two, three games. He's had instances in which he wasn't able to come up with the football. But I think what's impressive is in those two instances, I think it was against Arizona and, again, what happened against Washington, was Rodgers went immediately right back to him. Uh, with a young receiver like that, I think that's so important, and it shows you just exactly, you know, how highly he thinks of him. So, realistically, I think his best, the best usage of Jared Aberderis is when they bring Cobb into the backfield and they can use him in the slot. I'm guessing they'll they'll probably have some of those packages incorporated again in this game plan for the Cardinals. But in the interim, if Adams can't go, I think the Packers have full confidence in a guy like Jared Aberderis to go out there and play 60, 70, 80, 90 percent of the snaps and give them exactly what they need in this offense. And that's just a receiver who can get open and give Aaron Rodgers another option. You know, Wes, leading up to this game, and I want to talk about the Cardinals here in a second, but leading up to this game all week was, you know, you heard, actually for a few weeks, oh, you know, McCarthy and Rodgers aren't getting along. And then you started hearing 
McCarthy and Thompson are getting along, and I think a lot of that stuff is a byproduct of um, speculation and things that sometimes get blown out of proportion when teams aren't playing well. Um, and then obviously now they win the game. You haven't heard much of that, but you're right. there every. You're there a lot. You're there, you know, most of the time. Obviously, we don't have access to Ted Thompson like we do with, uh, you know, you know, you do with McCarthy and with Rogers. But what do you think of of some of that? I mean, uh, is there tension between the GM and the coach? We know that that the play calling uh, and Aaron Rodgers haven't meshed this year. We know that's a, a fact, regardless of how much. Um, uh, how many issues they have with each other? But what about the Thompson Rogers thing? Yeah, I can uh, I could probably speak more to the Rogers and McCarthy uh, aspect of it, just because of you know obviously Pete Doherty, who we just talked about, had a chance to sit down with both of them and talk about it last week. Um, th- then I can really the Thompson and McCarthy sort of dynamic because frankly we just never see them together. I mean I I'm not exactly sure if there's anything going on between you know behind closed doors with them, but what I will say is. Ted Thompson is one of the least combative uh, people I think I've ever met. I mean, he's right. not right. a guy who looks for conflict. And and I think McCarthy understands his place in this whole hierarchy with the Packers. He's the reason that Mike McCarthy's in Green Bay. And I think there is a mutual respect between the two. The only thing I'll say, you know, whether or not McCarthy's frustrated with what the, the, Dan, the hand he was dealt, the reason they're even in this position to begin with is a lot of these drafts and the moves that, that Ted Thompson has made. And for nine years, uh, they seem to be on the same page with it. So can people change? Absolutely. Can relationships deteriorate? No question. But if there's something there with Ted Thompson and Mike McCarthy, uh, I, I would be generally surprised um, if there was if there was tension between those two. Now, the issue with, with Rodgers and McCarthy, I think, is interesting because we have seen it. Uh, we've seen them battling at times on the sidelines. We see Rodgers' body language in games. But as McCarthy illustrated when he was talking with Pete, Rodgers knows him better than any other player he's coached. I mean, you're talking about a two-time MVP who was groomed as a quarterback under his head coach. And, and when you stay together for that long, there's bound to be conflict at times. The important thing, I think, for the Packers in this offense, regardless of what happens in this game on Saturday, is the fact that those two have such an open line of communication. They roll so many things off of each other. Um, is the relationship perfect? Probably not. But I think what impresses me the most is Rodgers and McCarthy have no problem telling each other what they think. And they're going to do that for whatever they feel is the best for the team. And I think the everything that you know everyone can agree on is that nobody's, you know, having conflict or, you know, having these discussions just out of strict ego. It's because they want the team to win. And when you're not winning, these are the, the storylines that get brought up and get mentioned. If they can find a way to rally here during the playoffs, I'm guessing it's something we'll even look back on and say, well, maybe that was a turning point in their season, being able to, to be so upfront about things. But when you're not winning, uh, those things certainly get magnified. We're here with Wes Hodkowitz, Green Bay Press Gazette, here on the Kielbasa King Sports Extravaganza, brought to you by Rent College Pads. Uh, and uh, with that... Oh, a sponsor, let, nice. Yeah, I know, right? Like, three like years, it. we're moving, yeah. up, three, moving on up, you know? This is like I, I'm a terrible voice, I can't. Don't don't take me to karaoke, but... Uh, what, what's the sponsor again? Say the sponsor again. Yeah, it's Rent College Pads. 
uh, yeah, rentcollegepads.com. Uh, so uh, they uh, they right. do a lot of cool things with uh, the, the college campuses, uh, looking for housing around around like Madison or Milwaukee, nice. uh, like Marquette and UWM. Yeah, no, they're good guys. So uh, if shout I, out to back. If I ever guys. have to go back to college, if I ever have to go back to college, I'm I'm gonna I'll utilize them. <laughs> awesome. Uh, with that, you know, we, we kind of look ahead, though, and you, obviously they take on, on Saturday night, the Arizona Cardinals. And uh, the simple fact that, in your opinion, Wesson, and with the way the defense played, too, and, the, I mean, we, we talked about the rejuvenated offense, but the, the defense played a huge role uh, on Sunday. What do you see out of the Packers and, and can and, I mean, obviously that what back in um, you know in the regular season you you had the fact that a lot of the the Cardinals points are off turnovers and 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 where how, do you see this defense stepping up like it did this past week uh, again and, and do you see them holding uh, this really you know it's a potent Cardinals offense? Yeah, they need them to. Uh, I don't know if they're going to be able to hold them to 16 points like they did Washington. This is just too dynamic of an offense. You know, number one in total yards, second in, in scoring. So many different weapons. Um, I mean, they, they lose Chris Johnson. David Johnson ends up being even better. Um, probably the fastest receiving core in the NFL. So there's a lot of challenges for them. And there will be even more challenges depending on, you know, the status of Sam Shields and his concussion and Quentin Rollins and his quad. Uh, they're hurting at that cornerback position. Now, they were able to get through it uh, against – against Washington, but what they're going to need more than anything else is that pass rush that they were able to bring against Kirk Cousins, sack six times, hit 13 times. Uh, if they can do that to Carson Palmer and make him uncomfortable, that's going to be a key to being able to tame that, that Cardinals offense. And they frankly just weren't able to do that in that first matchup. You know, in my own opinion, I don't think this is the best defense under, under Dom Capers. I, I, I just look at those years with, with Nick Collins and, and Charles Woodson in his prime. Uh, th- those were some really solid uh, defenses and probably some of the better ones that they've had since, you know, their, their last Super Bowl in, in 1996. So, I mean, it's interesting because I don't think this is a defense that can necessarily carry you through the playoffs, but I think it's good enough to win a Super Bowl if the offense is competent and productive. Uh, and, and that's probably what the Packers need. They talk so much about being a balance in all three phases, offense, defense, and special teams. If the offense can get clicking, I think the defense and special teams certainly have held up their end of the bargain in terms of being a successful team this year. They have playmakers. You know, Clay Matthews, he's not hes not the world's greatest inside linebacker, but he's exactly what they need. That There's no one else on this team that will be able to do half the job he's done this season. It's allowed Jake Ryan to come you know, through it a little bit more slower pace uh, and they have enough weapons as outside linebackers to be able to, to kind of ford the river, so to speak. So uh, this is a good defense. It's a solid defense and it's a young defense. Uh, and I, I do look at this as a, as a group that could, you know, help them throughout the playoffs, but if they're going to be successful and they're going to get past Arizona, they're going to need to be able to contain Carson Palmer, but they'll also need help from their offense too. Um, because I still, even if they play a great game, I still think, that Arizona has a good chance of putting up 21, 25, 28 points in this game. Well, and I think the real quick last point on this game is talk about the defense having to do their job, but I think the offensive line has to be better this time out. Uh, what was right. it, nine sacks last time? I mean, you know, you can put up with three, but if, if Aaron Rodgers is under that kind of pressure, I, I don't care who's playing quarterback, you're not going to win that game in the desert, so. 
Yeah, no question. And and you do you look at all the injuries they had in that game. Brian Balaga left with the ankle. Bakhtiari was hurt. Uh, so many different things were working against them. It's interesting now if Treader can step up or if Bakhtiari returns, um, a lot of those questions I think can get solved because you'll have a pretty complete unit out there, and it appears as if they're they're getting healthier. So um, the Packers, I, I think they have confidence in this offensive line when they're at 100. percent They just can't get to where they were at in Arizona this last time, where I think. They were one thing away from having Brett Goode. I'm trying to remember exactly how that situation worked out. Brett Goode almost had to come in that they're yeah. down to Josh Walker. Um, so, I mean, there was a lot of things working against them. Um, and, and that'll be the biggest key now going forward is being able to stay healthy as long as they can and, and giving Aaron Rodgers enough time to do what he does. And there's also an onus on Rodgers, too. He needs to be able to be smart in his decision-making and, and get the ball out as, as quick as possible to increase that tempo. But I thought – you know, both from Rodgers and the offensive line's perspective, they definitely uh, they definitely held their own against Washington. Here with Wes Hodkowitz, Green Bay Press Gazette. Wes, we won't keep it that much longer. Got a couple minutes left. Let's talk NXT now. Now I know that uh, you and I had <laughs> yeah. A, yeah, you and I talked about it earlier. If you can make it down there, there's a ticket with your name on it with uh, Scotty and I, and and uh, it, it's the most ragtag bunch of. Uh, these are like I have an in-law coming. I have. Scotty coming. We have one of our other indie uh, wrestling uh, friends coming with us. Giant. Too. And like, yeah, yeah, giant. the giant, giant, the X-Man, Xavier Mustafa, uh, a good friend of ours. Uh, and, and then we nice. have like this big ragtag bunch of, of, of people coming. So just in case, if you're able to make it, just, uh, you know, like I said, invitations out there. I know you have a very busy schedule, but uh, what are you looking forward to when you, you have this and when you have just uh, NXT coming to the Midwest, uh, you and I are both fans of the of the brand. Uh, what do you, what do you look forward to it coming up uh, this weekend? Well, one thing, and I don't know uh, if he's going to be here or not, but the fact that Sami Zayn uh, is back from injury now, I think, is pretty exciting. Now, to be quite honest with you, I was hoping he wouldn't be in NXT. I was hoping that Kevin Owens would still have the IC title and he would just go right to Raw and they would actually carry that feud over. I think that one would have hit home with a lot of people. But uh, that being said, this is the direction they're going. And, you know, I, I think a, a, a feud between him and Finn Balor or, or Joe, depending on, you know, which direction they go here in this whole number one contenders chase, uh, could be really riveting stuff. I love, um, and I, I think we've talked about this in the past, um, you know, Colin Cassidy, the whole, you know, thing that they have going on. Uh, you know, I, I'm a huge, I'm a huge fan of it. I, I was hoping they would be tag team champs. That didn't work out. Um, you know, maybe they'll end up here on the active roster soon. But him and Enzo Amore, I mean, that's just uh, – I think that's a match made in heaven and they're entertaining as heck. Um, and, and, you know, those, those are the small things. I'm hoping – now, when are they in Green Bay? I don't think I'm going to be here when they're in Green Bay, right? I think they're – I think it's supposed to be Friday, if I'm not mistaken. Friday, yeah, and see, I'm going yeah. to be in Arizona. All the right. wild west. Get down to Milwaukee, buddy. Get down to Milwaukee. I know, I know. There's this whole thing though about my job too. Things, <laughs> um, you know, because that's the thing is that the Packers have media available. Well, I mean, they would have media available media availability regardless on Thursday. But if I can get out of there early enough, what times? What times? Bell time? Seven? Seven thirty? Seven thirty? Seven? Seven thirty? There you go. Ooh, that would help. The seven thirty would help. I'm doing the notebook that day. I'll let you know. I'll keep you posted. I'd love to go, though. I really wanted to go to the one in Green Bay up here, too, at Shop Hall. I don't know if you guys 
have ever been to Shopko Hall before, but I thought that would have been amazing for a wrestling show to do it there. Um, you know, right next door to the rest center where they always hold the SmackDown and Raw events. thought that would have been phenomenal. But, um, yeah, it's exciting. And now you're, seeing, you're starting to see some of the fruits of it. I mean, Kalisto uh, getting a run now at the U.S. strap. Um, just a lot of cool things, you know, of, of those guys sort of developing out of that program and getting opportunities. So, um, yeah, it'll be, it'll be cool to see if I can see it. But uh, a lot of good talent down there. You, you know, Wes, one of the interesting things, and, you know, I've got some involvement in pro wrestling. In fact, I had two matches this weekend. I've got four more left, and I'm done wrestling. But I do ring announcing for a federation here in West Dallas, and they've got two members of the Bullet Club coming in. Uh, oh, which nice. will soon Yeah, that's on Friday night. So you talk about a great wrestling uh, weekend here in Milwaukee. So you've got Finn Balor. Thursday. Then you've got the Bullet Club wrestling one of their last indie shows before they start doing their NXT things or or main roster with all the injuries that have been uh, befalling those big their main stars. So it's kind of a cool. So that it's that's on that's Friday. Anderson here. and Gallows then, or, or who is that? Yes, yes. Bullet Anderson and Gallows yeah. will be in West Dallas at seven thirty on Friday. Cool. So, so it's it's going to be great, man. Like from a wrestling standpoint and from a fan standpoint. Uh, Thursday and Friday are going to be uh, pretty awesome for me. Yeah, that's terrific. And again, you guys got to give me the schedule because I do want to get to one of your your retirement tour matches. I'm going to do it, so you got to keep me posted here. The Packers at some point their season will end, and we're going to need to get on that. Uh, but I thought that's the coolest thing ever. I hope there's a risk involved in this, but with the Bullet Club coming over, um, you know Nakamura, uh, AJ Styles, literally couldn't have been a better grab bag of WWE signing. I love all four of those guys, and I hope they do the right things with them. But the fact that Styles now will get an opportunity. Uh, Nakamura, I think, is a genius. Um, I'm just, I love him. I love his character. I love his, his charisma. Um, and obviously the Bullet Club's had their successes. And who knows? As I've seen a lot of the message boards and dirt sheets now. Will there be a Balor Club? Possibly. We'll, uh, we'll have to wait and see. Awesome, awesome. Well, Wes, we thank you so much, sir, coming on again. One of uh, one of our favorite guests, if not the favorite guest. You're like a brother to us, uh, and uh, just uh, just know, like I said, we will uh, we'll be in touch over the next couple of days if you're able to make it. Otherwise, safe travels down to Arizona, uh, and as usual, continue the wonderful wonderful coverage that you guys at the Press Gazette do uh, with you and and Pete and and many others. You guys do a wonderful job out down there, up there, I should say. Thank. Thank you very much, gentlemen. Always a pleasure to be on, and, and yeah, we'll uh, we'll be in touch here sh- uh, very soon. Yeah, Wes, it's unfortunate because we we've got uh, some great guests coming out right now. Because I really wanted to talk about the Cincinnati Pittsburgh uh, fiasco, but maybe we'll see each other oh, Thursday yeah. person. So, well, you guys always got my number, so uh, whatever you need, we'll uh, we'll have a chance to talk it out. Otherwise, yes, maybe that could be some good ringside fodder uh, as well. There you go. There you go. <laughs> Awesome guys! Hey guys, at West Hotcoats Green Bay Press Gazette, uh, we're, what we're doing to do? We're actually going to put our put the mics live. Uh, Scotty, I'm going to have you take it over real quick for just a quick second. We got uh, it's a big show coming up. Uh, obviously, it's Friday night, and it's Milwaukee. Obviously, I you know Scotty does a lot uh, with Bruce City Wrestling, and uh, obviously, I know uh, to the next our next guest coming up right now. Uh, pretty well uh, back from my days uh, doing the uh, indie wrestling gig down to two. We, but we got 
uh, Frankie the Thumper DeFalco. We got the Beer City Bruiser. Gentlemen, how you doing? Big show Friday night in West Dallas and a lot of big guests. Real big show. Real, real yeah. big show. It'll be a lot of fun. This, this show's you know, been in the making for the last year. And um, unfortunately, some guys uh, who were involved at the time decided to uh, no show a few shows in a row. I'm not going to name any names, Chaz Moretti, but we had to just go around and revamp things, and now this show is much stronger. And uh, it's solid from top to bottom, pillar to post. Bruce City Wrestling is best promotion from coast to coast. Now, Frank, I want to start start with you. Uh, obviously, and we're going to talk about the show and, and some of the big names. We already talked about the Bullet Club being there. But I think the bigger story to me, not just how great this card is, but that it's 11 years. Rise to honor the success Bruce City Wrestling has had to last this long as an indie federation and to do it in right. a city like Milwaukee and West Dallas. I'll talk quickly a little bit about about that and how much that means, and then we'll get into the meat and potatoes of this card on Friday. Right. Twelve years, you know, in the making. It's all come around. You know, when when I started the promotion up back in January 2004, a lot of people thought that we wouldn't make it six months, let alone a year. But um, for all those people, they can kiss my ass, and I tell it to them every time. But, you know, Matt Winchester being the heart and soul of the promotion – along with uh, JP, Brandon Blaze, and Dysfunction, and a lot of the guys, you know, they've made Bruce City Wrestling um, a very much success, successful promotion. Now, Matt, you're in the main event. If you want to let the fans know a little bit about uh, what's going on with your match, it's a four-on-four, kind of an old-school war game-style match. Uh, talk about your involvement in that and, and who's involved in that match. Uh, what it is, it's uh, me and some fellow bruisers, um, Brandon Blaze, Jay Cross, and then our manager, JP. Um, the, our commissioner, Lord Khan, he decided that uh, he wanted to take control of Bruce City, and the other commissioner, Vinny Riot, wanted, he, he wanted control. So Frank decided that what he's going to do is let them each choose a team battle it out in the cage but then the winning um, team that commissioner gets control of Bruce City. Excellent. And that's that's going to be great. There's a heavyweight title match being defended. It's uh, Sadist taking on Joey Jet Avalon. And then an Attitude Era star, so to speak, uh, Matt Hardy taking on Sean Priest. Frank, Matt Hardy, uh, most wrestling fans, if you don't know who Matt Hardy is, you're not a wrestling fan. That's a huge acquisition as well. It is. You know, this, uh, I had negotiations and talks with Matt back in August already, and um, he committed to it. Steve Carino had a lot to do with it as well. And ever since then, Matt and I were talking. He loved the chance to come for the first time in Bruce City Wrestling and be a part of Rise to Honor 12. Yeah, absolutely. So we talked about the future, like guys like Joey Avalon, uh, they're the future. The current stars like Matt Winchester and the Bullet Club, some guys who still have some some uh, years ahead of them like Matt Hardy. And then there's some old school guys, Rhythm and Blues in action, Greg the Hammer Valentine, the greatest intercontinental champion of all time, Honky Tonk Man. That's another huge attraction. They're going to be in tag team action on Friday. It is. They're, they're taking on Derek St. Holmes and um, Trader, I mean, Tyler Sunday, 
in a in an old school tag team match, which would be very very interesting. The real cool about the show on Friday is, is it literally touches all generations of wrestling fans. You have the old school with uh, rhythm and blues. You have the Attitude Era with Matt Hardy, and then the current uh, roster with, with the Biz Club, the Bullet Club, coming in. Yeah, it, 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 it's yeah. going to be fantastic. Every generation. Yeah, I I am as excited as I've ever been, and there have been some great shows in my five years. And this one, it just it tops it all. Not to mention the Hall of Honor inductees will be inducted into the BCW Hall of Honor. It just it's it's really got a, a indie WrestleMania feel to it. I mean, it, it absolutely does. I hope I'm not overselling it, but that's just how it kind of. No, feels. no, you're you're right. It is. This is definitely the indie uh, WrestleMania of independent wrestling going on this coming Friday at the Knights of Columbus in West Dallas. It's 1800 South 92nd Street in West Dallas. Um, if anybody in the area, you know, is listening, I strongly advise get your pre-sale tickets now because on Thursday I am stopping the PayPal. You can save five dollars until one o'clock Thursday. Tickets right now are twenty dollars on the website BruceCityWrestling1.com. Otherwise, it's twenty-five dollars at the door, and at that point, there I can guarantee. You know, I can't guarantee everyone's going to get in. Absolutely, it should be a huge crowd. Frank, Matt, I, I appreciate I know you guys are in the middle of, of doing some, some acquiring of business and acquiring of dates and, and working. It's a working vacation for you guys, but I appreciate you taking some time uh, after 8.30 to talk with us. Oh, anytime. It, I've, been it's great. Road, I've been on the road since Friday night, so I'm looking forward to going home tomorrow for one day and then back on the road again. That Excellent. is awesome. We'll, we'll see ahead, you guys sorry. on Friday. Tickets are still available, but they're going for, and that place is going to be shoulder to shoulder. You're not going to want to miss out. You heard Frank. Get on, get your tickets. Five dollars off through one o'clock on Thursday, so you only have in less than two days to get those pre-sale tickets. Uh, I can't wait, guys. Thank you so much. We'll see you Friday. Thank no problem, you. guys. Thanks for having us, guys. Bye. Frankie the Thumper DeFalco. We have the Brew City Beer City Bruiser, I should say. Uh, and like I said, check out uh, Brew City Wrestling Friday. And from there, we're going to take one quick break, come back, wrap things up here, talk some Badger basketball, talk some WNXT as well. Uh, and, uh, guys, this is the Kilbasa King Sports Extravaganza brought to you by Bucky's Fifth Quarter and, of course, rentcollegepads.com.
Guys, welcome back. Big thanks to the Beer City Bruiser, uh, the and of course the BCW owner Frank the Thumper DeFalco, uh, and uh, hopefully I didn't mess it up too much there, Scotty, with some of the intros there. Uh, and uh, I don't know, man, it's a big wrestling weekend. Uh, and before we get to that, obviously that's in Milwaukee. We just want to thank our good friends uh, over at RentCollegePads.com, and 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 big shout out to Baxter and the gang there and looking at this uh just breaking this down uh let me just make sure we have everything ready and set of course technology is always fun with my computer oh yeah uh, there we go no we just want to thank our our presenting sponsor brent college pads for their support of the kielbasa king sports extravaganza of course a part of bucky's fifth quarter and finding off-campus housing has always been a chore until now browse tons of properties on rent college pads today they have all the best apartments and houses around campus and in Madison. Find your next place on Rent College Pads today. And, uh, you know, and obviously, you know, like I said, big thanks to the Beer City Bruiser, to Frank DeFalco. Um, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, like I said, it's got a big feel to it. Uh, Scotty, great job on, on that when I had to step out for a little bit. Uh, and obviously when you have four as a crowd, when you're doing a round table or when you're t- talking there. So, uh, thanks for stepping in there and, and and taking the bull by the horns. But you know, and then obviously the night before, and, and you mentioned the bull clubs in on Friday night, Thursday night, Finn Balor. Uh, obviously, the, uh, back if you know some of the history there with NXT uh, in Japan and formed the Bullet Club. Uh, so uh, some interesting things there. And about you know Turner Hall, Thursday night, 7:30 bell time. His tickets are sold out. They're sold out during the pre-sale. And uh, yeah. so I know you and you and I are going down there. We got a couple other friends. Hopefully, our good friend Wes Hodkowitz from the Green Bay Press Gazette can make it down in time. Uh, but uh, let me just uh, ask. I mean, uh, how much do you know about NXT? We're going to have Andrew Rosen call up in just uh, our our Bucky's fifth quarter recruiting analyst uh, calling in just a couple minutes. Uh, but uh, Scotty, how much do you know about NXT? Have you had a chance to kind of dive in? And in, in, uh, in, in what are I guess like you know, obviously it's the first time in the Midwest for for this brand of the WWE. What are you thinking uh, well, like, look, about I, this show? Oh, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I'm not as avid about it as you or um, and Wes. I do watch it from time to time, but I don't have you know how it is. I mean, you're you're a father of, of three now. I mean, I don't get to sit down and, and watch things as regularly as I, I would have, say, when I was a single man a few years ago. But uh, what I've seen, I love, and I'm, I'm really looking forward to, to the show and, and seeing a different style that, you know, what people don't understand is, first of all, everybody in the WWE that you see on Raw is talented. But that show, Raw is a TV program before it's a wrestling program, and people forget how good those guys really are. Well, you're going to see these guys... It, putting on a wrestling show and not a TV show at Turner Hall on Thursday, and that's going to be very, very exciting. And, you know, talking about this, too, another person along with uh, Wes Hodkowitz, uh, but Andrew Rosen, who are part of Bucky's Fifth Quarter, a a great screenwriter, I might add, as as I've read a couple of his his, uh, great uh, you know scripts, but also the simple fact of uh, being a wrestling fan and him turning me on to New Japan actually a little bit more uh, recently. And and Andrew, you joining us now, man, and you're you're joining us on this wild uh, hodgepodge of of writers and and uh, you know writers and podcasters and indie wrestlers on our way down to Milwaukee for Turner Hall. Uh, what are you looking forward to 
on Thursday and uh, just some of the, the wrestlers and superstars that will be in attendance in Milwaukee? Well, uh, to be honest, uh, the thing I was most looking forward to was uh, possibly seeing Jordan and Gable, but unfortunately they're going to be on a tour of India, but that's that's uh, something else because you look up and down the roster, Sami Zayn's back. You've got uh, you've got Enzo and Big Cass. You've got uh, Dash and Dawson. I know sometimes they, you know, they are not the biggest fan favorites, but they uh, they work well together. They're a great tag team. The, I mean, the division is you know full of uh, excellent tag teams. I mean, the Bud Villains. You got Blake and Murphy. Heck, even the hype bros are growing on me. And of course, you know, there's there's women's wrestling. You have Bailey who is quite excellent. You have Asuka who is potentially the best women's wrestler in the world. And uh she's set to be in a Turner Hall on Thursday as well. Yeah, and it, I you know, just based off of some of the stuff that we read and uh, obviously you have Finn Balor there and uh, you have Bailey, and Bailey is just, I think, one of my. When, when you look at her she, uh, and just how they've developed her and her character, and how much she's grown as a wrestler, as a wrestler over the years, uh, no matter who she faces, it seems like she, you know. And, and Scotty, let me know if you've seen, gotten to watch a few of her matches, especially with, especially in 2015 with Sasha Banks and, and Charlotte and and Becky Lynch, uh, but you know Andrew too, you know you've seen her progress to this point where. You know, she her her character is very much a a, a face, as you, you'd say, a very, a good guy, uh, you know, a good woman, I should say, uh, and a a fan favorite. And but now you see, like she's you know carrying these these matches, and she's put on really good performances. What have you seen out of her, Andrew, in your time watching NXT? Well, it's it's one of those things where. Like you said, they developed the character perfectly. She came in and, you know, she was just so happy to be there. And she started growing and, you know, getting better, getting, you know, less comedic, more serious. And, you know, she and it was one of those things that she was she was uh, technically a good wrestler, tech, you know, technically a wrestler that rivaled. You know Becky Lynch and uh, Sasha Banks, but the character wasn't there. But you know they built her. Up, they built her up as this, you know, determined fan fan favorite. And you know it was it was one of those things when you by the time she won the title at NXT Takeover in Brooklyn, you have a ladder match between Kevin Owens and Finn Balor, and even that couldn't follow it. And with that, you know, Scotty, I mean, what, I, and from what you've seen, Scott, obviously you've you've watched wrestling, you know, and even a part of wrestling. What differentiates NXT from, and from what you've seen from even the mainstream WWE, and 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 what's what what is it differentiated back from, or does it seem film familiar maybe to other brands that you've noticed over the years, uh, dating back decades? Well, I mean, we're comparing different eras because there were great. My favorite era, just a little bit of, of disclosure for those who don't know this, but my favorite era of wrestling was Jim Crockett and, and the, the stuff that was happening mid-Atlantic and whatnot. The athletes today are better. I mean, it's like that in any sport. 
I mean, football players are more athletic than they were in the 70s and 80s. But what differentiates it from the mainstream is, like I said, I mean, all of the guys, most of the guys in the WWE could work and were great workers, could do some of the things you see in NXT. They're producing a TV show on Monday nights. NXT, while they're, they do record and they do have a TV show on the network, they're wrestling first. And that's what I think has gotten lost over the last 10, 12, 13 years in the mainstream. Is it's not, it, it hasn't been wrestling first. And it is in NXT. It was a little like that in ECW when you take out some of the hardcore garbage that ECW was doing. But when you saw the matches with Jericho and Benoit and Malenko and some of those guys, that was good stuff. And and there hasn't really been anything like it in quite some time. I mean, WCW had an opportunity to have a, a division like that, but they buried those guys in the undercard and they made you watch guys like Hogan and, and a jacked-up Scott Steiner and pass those things off as main events. Um, so I'm excited. If you're a fan of wrestling and guys who can tell a story in the ring can give you 30 minutes and look like they've never missed a beat, then that's what NXT is for. So I, I'm, I'm, that's what I'm excited for because it's been a while since I've actually had a chance with my schedule being what it is to just sit down and and enjoy three hours of pure, unadulterated wrestling. And, you know, we're also here with Andrew Rosen from Bucky's Fifth Quarter, our recruiting analyst, and also it's, it's nice to also have a, a couple guys on, on the site, uh, like Scotty, of course, from, from my background, but even before joining Bucky's Fifth Quarter, but also Andrew and, and our, our good buddy Drew Ham, who at times uh, we, we may or may not fire on the site, depending upon what, what his uh, chicanery and his uh, shenanigans uh deliver on the site at times, but what, uh, yeah, I guess, Andrew, with that, with, with the buildup and then, you know, heading to the show, uh, what are you, I mean, what are your expectations? What do you feel? And obviously you're expecting, like I said, good wrestling, like Scotty said, but what are your expectations in terms of, uh, if you were to describe this to an everyday fan, well, how would you describe NXT and, 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 and what, how it, how is it sold, and I guess what's the allure to it? I I suppose the allure to NXT in a way is that you know you you have a you have new school wrestling in a sort of more old school wrestling show because because you have guys who can do amazing incredible things and you know past couple of years. Uh, best match that has been under a WWE banner, you could argue, has uh, been NXT, you know, an NXT match. But, you know, you, you have you have a focus more on, you know, developing, developing the characters and, you know, a, you know, a more simpler type of storytelling. It's, you know, it's presented as more sport than, uh, you know, a TV show, shall we say. Now, a question for both of you guys before we start wrapping it up, and obviously it's WWE NXT. It'll be uh, Thursday night, 7.30 at Turner Hall. Tickets are sold out. Thankfully, I grabbed them in the pre-sale. Should be a good time. Uh, Doors open at 6.30. Uh, And I guess uh, we'll start off with you, Scotty, and then uh, after Scotty answers, we'll have uh, Andrew go, where... um, is there, I guess, uh, let me ask, uh, what 
if, if there's one superstar in NXT that you think is going to jump to the main roster coming up now, uh, like, like who do you think who do you think's got the most potential uh, out of that current roster? I know Scotty, you've only watched it here and there, but uh, what of what you've seen out of who you've seen, who do you think is the uh, kind of the next rising star in that? Uh, and, and then after Scotty goes, Andrew, feel free to pop in with your answer. Right. Well, I'll take I'll take the easy one here, just because as I mentioned, there's so many injuries on that main roster. Now I heard Rusev got hurt uh, over the weekend, and you know you've got Orton out, you've got Cena out. I, they need to do something to build towards WrestleMania, uh, and it just can't be the fact that The Rock is going to be there. There's going to have to be more. I wouldn't be surprised to see some people make some jumps as early as Royal Rumble and maybe even make some impact uh, as they build towards a match to WrestleMania. And I think, obviously, Finn Balor is that guy. Now, I know that theory is, you know, they're going to keep him down there until after WrestleMania, but I just think right now that WrestleMania, the roster looks a little bit stagnant just because of the injuries. And I think you need to inject some life into it and not wait until after Mania to do it. But I think you might see some of that uh, start as soon as Royal Rumble. Yeah, I, I I do agree. Uh, Finn Balor is definitely a choice that you're gonna, you know, you're you're gonna see him sooner rather than later, especially when you consider the uh, rumored signings out of New Japan Pro Wrestling. You you have an easy made storyline for uh, Balor coming up. Another uh, another wrestler who should be up quickly. You have to figure Sami Zayn is going to be up. You know when they can fit in a storyline uh, for him because all of a sudden you have uh, Kevin Owens put him out of action and you know he's somewhere at the top of the heap uh, in the roster as it goes right now and you know Zane Zane Owens they've been going at it forever and uh, it's one of those things that it's uh, ready it's you know it's ready made it's entertaining and. They can do amazing things when they face each other. Of course, uh, another option, you know, would be Baron Corbin. I mean, Vince McMahon, Vince McMahon likes uh, big guys who can, you know, do some things in the ring, and that fits Baron Corbin to a T. Absolutely, absolutely, and, and you know, with me. You look at some of the guys, uh, and, and maybe it goes back. I think the most, you know, I think Balor would be big. Obviously, with the the you know, if it becomes a Balor club, uh, it's an instant jump. It's a spark. Uh, it gets some people talking there. Yeah, you know, I I would say even in Granite, they won't. Uh, it's maybe two tag teams for me, where you have the realist guys in the room, or the realist guys where you have Enzo and uh, you know Amore and and Colin Cassidy. Uh, obviously, they seem prime at least with their shtick, their character their 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 gimmick and their development there they seem ready to be instant uh stars on the tag team scene up there but even i would say uh we talked about it earlier with uh jason jordan and and, and chad gable these guys uh, obviously the biggest compa- the, the maybe the, even the lazy comparison would be with with team angle with charlie haas and shelton benjamin but these guys have there's a fire to them. There's a personality that they have that's starting to be developed really nicely. Uh, and and uh, you always get that hot tag where uh, you see Jason Jordan come in and clear house. It, I, I like that ability. I think they're primed for to be the next ones to really step up in that tag team division. But right now, even in the uh, NXT, there's a great tag team division. Uh, WWE, it's a little stacked uh, as well. But 
I think you know with the tag team scene, those guys really have uh, a really good shot at, uh, at breaking through and, and being stars for themselves. Absolutely. I mean, they like him enough. They're already uh, sending him on the WWE house shows overseas. So you have to figure their their time will be coming soon. Exactly. Exactly. So uh, on that note, uh, Andrew, I'll be talking with you at least tomorrow to t- and, and Thursday to talk more plans for the uh, the drive down to Milwaukee. And uh, but yeah, thanks for jom- joining with us. Uh, and uh, from that, guys, we're gonna we're gonna wrap this show up. We're gonna take one more break. Uh, big thanks to Andrew Rosen for Bucky's fifth quarter. Of course, follow him on Twitter at the at the GNC. And uh, we'll be right back in just a second, guys, on the Kilbasa King Sports Extravaganza, brought to you by Rent College Pads. Welcome back, Kielbasa King Sports Extravaganza. Of course, brought to you by Rent College Pads, and also a proud part of Bucky's Fifth Quarter. Make sure you guys go to Bucky's Fifth Quarter for all your Wisconsin Badgers news, notes, discussion, analysis, breakdowns. We are rocking, we are rolling, we're having ourselves a good time uh, down there. But it won't be tonight. Badgers lose seventy to sixty-five to the Northwestern Wildcats. Not the year for Bucky against Northwestern in the academic school year. Wow. So we'll break down with Phil Mitten and, and uh, Kurt Hag, or Hope, you know, Kurt Hogue, uh, coming up in a little, maybe next week or so. We'll have them on talking Badger hoops and, and how the Badgers can salvage the season after a one and four Big Ten season start. Uh, no, was it one and four, or one and five, one and two? Anyways, anyways, uh, talking prediction time. Packers. Yeah, yeah. Cardinals. Yeah, we'll go into that. Uh, well, I'll give you my prediction right here. I, I'd love to have spent a little more time talking about that Minnesota game and, of course, that Pittsburgh freaking uh, fiasco. Uh, oh, my gosh. Uh, anyway, uh, Packers, uh, I think, play better than they did last time, which won't be hard. Last time they were in, in the desert. Think to, uh, I still think Arizona is a little bit too much for them. I say 31-25 is your final. Yeah, I'll go 30-23. Cardinals right now. Uh, I think the Packers put up a fight, but I think Arizona pulls away in the end. I I believe that the offense can get back on track. It just depends upon if if Arizona sacks Rodgers and causes mayhem like they did last last time. It's it's not going to be pretty, but I think the Packers will be improved. I just don't know 
I, I don't think they can make it through. And it's just being that's just that's just my gut reaction. I had them winning last week. It just Arizona's just a very good team. And a team that could compete for, for the Super Bowl, you know, to be in the Super Bowl this year. And I just don't know if the Packers after one game it's not even one game, Scotty, it was three quarters. That mm-hmm. first quarter was I mean, we didn't really really break down the how terrible that first quarter was for that offense. Uh where, you know, it just they had I think eleven yards total on thirteen plays at one point. Uh, it was not good. So I, I'm glad they put that together, and obviously the the balance with the running and the passing game worked. But I I still think Arizona's a a very potent team uh, and a Super Bowl caliber team uh, as well. So uh, on that note, uh, wrapping up the show, I will see you Thursday, brother, uh, as well. It'll be a good time with uh, like I said our our ragtag awesome crew that we have going with us. It's going to be a lot of fun uh, down at Turner Hall WWE NXT. If we can get a NXT superstar on on for a special edition of the show, we hope to do so in the coming uh, day, obviously. But then, uh, Scotty, uh, uh, best of luck to you. Brew City Wrestling, Rise to Honor 12, Friday night, Knights of Columbus in West Dallas, $25 at the door, $20 at advance, on, you know, for advancing on PayPal. Make sure you guys check out BrewCityWrestling1.com. And always see our big thanks to Frank DeFalco, the thumper, Big thanks to Matt Winchester, the Beer City Bruiser. Uh, they have a big matchup coming up. Uh, and anything else you want to add before we take it home? Uh, no, that, that about does it. Next week we'll break down all four playoff games, talk a little baseball Hall of Fame, talk Badger hoops, and uh, whatever else comes up between now and the next time we get together. Sounds great. You guys have a great week. Go to, like I said, if you guys are looking for a place, in Madison, around campus, rentcollegepads.com, place to go. Great sponsor of ours. Check it out. Other than that, this is Jake Okorowski, Polish rifle Scott Wisniewski. Big thanks to Wes Hodkowitz, Green Bay Press-Gazette, Andrew Rosen, Bucky Fifth Quarter, of course, Matt Winchester, the Beer City Bruiser, and Frank DeFalco. Join us as well. This has been the Kilbasa King Sports Extravaganza, proud part of Bucky's Fifth Quarter. Accordion solo, American Polka, played by Mr. John J. Kimball, Edison Record. (laughs) ¶¶ 